0: glad you're here. We are in a series called How to Survive the Zombie Apocalypse, and if you're new to church or new to the Bible, you're like, oh my goodness, they believe in zombies. Um, Well, we don't really, but uh, there's a lot of talk uh, nowadays about the end of the world. Maybe it's nuclear war with Russia or it's an asteroid coming that the new telescope might be able to see uh, a few light years away and uh, or it's rising sea levels or if you've been a Christian for a long time like I have, uh, we're expecting the return of Jesus. And so, uh, but even with the return of Jesus, you got your pre-trib and your mid-trib and your post-trib and all this kind of stuff and what what does the end of the world really look like? Well, if you've been following us throughout this series... Uh, spoiler alert, uh, what I've been talking about, about how to survive the zombie apocalypse, or the end of the world, or whatever it is, these are skills we need to survive Mondays, okay? The, the, these are skills we need to survive life. Okay, so uh, it's kind of a little bit of a misnomer, but if there's a zombie apocalypse and you don't uh, have community, you're going to be in big trouble. That's what we talked about the first week. If you don't have, uh, if you don't know how to handle persecution or difficulty, we talked about that, you're going to be in trouble. If you don't have an eternal mindset, was what we we talked about that as well. Uh, If you're just thinking about today or tomorrow, you're going to be in trouble. And so we've been talking about all those things. And this morning, we're going to talk about something that might be a little uh, controversial to you, might make you a little uncomfortable. And obviously, welcome to those who are watching online as well. Uh, Unfortunately, online, you can't see that we have all new carpet. But anyway, I was doing carpet angels on the stage this week. So we were very happy about that. So, um, but uh, uh, I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit. I just wanted to tell you upfront, I am not asking you when you hear me talking to feel sorry for me or to draw attention to myself. But I want to give you some context before I begin to preach this sermon So that you can understand that I come from a perspective that is real. I come from a perspective that you might not have just being in the work you're in or the life you're in or whatever. And so when I talk about being a pastor, I just want you to know that I was also in business for 16 years. So I know what it's like to just go to a regular job and just I I get all that. But I'm going to give you some insight into how I view the world as a pastor. And my hope is that it will change the way you see the world as well. It'll change the way you see your office, how you see your community, how you see your family. Okay, my goal this morning is to change your mind to give you a new perspective last week. I gave you a new perspective on thinking eternally, to think as an eternal perspective, a kingdom perspective. This morning, I want you to have a different perspective on how you view other, how you view people who are different than you. Um, the uh, Bible talks up all about the uh, people who are other. It talks about Jews and Gentiles, slave and free, male and female. And it kind of lumps them all up into one little package of humanity. And that is my hope for you. And so, in my context, I actually lead four churches. Okay? You're like, Okay, where is he going with this, right? So there's the Sunday morning. There's us. Uh, Maybe you come here uh, during the week. Maybe you're part of our recovery on Wednesday nights. You're part of NA or whatever it is. There's the physical church. These are people who show up on campus every week. You guys, those who are on vacation now or have COVID now or whatever, just the church. This is the traditional church. This is what pastors have led forever. Okay? The physical church. That's one of the churches I lead. I lead another church, which is a church of the community. And these are people that you might not ever meet, that you might not ever see. You might see them on the road. You might honk at them. You might yell at them. Who knows? But you don't actually see them. And those people actually would call Living Spring their church home, even though they've never set foot in these four walls. And so they will call me, they'll text me, email me, DM me. They'll talk, talk to Pastor Michelle. They'll call her, they'll text her. They'll ask for prayer. They'll want to come to Jesus. They'll want to understand about the Bible. I was talking to a gentleman just yesterday who wanted to know why there's so many religions, wanted to know why there's so many different denominations. Same reason, people are crazy. Uh, it's just, uh, we, we're tribal, right? And so, so there's that church, there's the church I call the dysphoria, which those are the, those are people who have left Living Spring for a whole bunch of reasons. Maybe they left the state, okay? They moved to, we've had many families move to Idaho, Tennessee, Texas, whatever, and just move up Michigan, move all, all over, but they still call Living Spring their church home and they still call me their pastor, so I have to deal with th- those people. And so that will come in. Hey, I read this article. Hey, we're looking for a church in t- Tennessee. What does this denomination believe? What does this believe? Uh, you, know, w- you know, what is their ecclesiology? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, all that stuff. So that's another church that I leave. Those are the dysphoria. Some people have left Living Spring because their son or daughter found a church where all their friends go to and the parents are like, bump it. I'm going with my kids. Totally understandable. No hard feelings. We are for that, okay? So that's another church. I got got the community. I've got Living Spring. It's like traditional Living Spring. I've got the dysphoria that are out and about I call them the Living Spring Missionaries that are just evangelizing all the different states or cities if they move or whatever. And then I've got the online community, which we love as well. And so, as you guys know, because you're watching online, they might be in different states as well. They might be wherever. But they're still contacting me through DMs, text, email, phone calls, all those different things. So there's about, I counted this up through our history because we keep track of all this stuff. There's about 2,400 people that we are in charge of. We care for their souls. You say, John, why do you, am I supposed to feel sorry for you? No, you're not supposed to feel sorry for me. This is my calling. I cannot tell you. If you hear one thing this morning, how much I appreciate being a pastor. How much I love it. I don't care how hard it gets. I don't care if it was a th- 10,000 people. I don't care. I love what I do. This is what I'm called to do. So if anything sounds like a complaint, no complaints. I love Living Spring in whatever form it takes. I love you guys. Now, you're like, oh boy, here it comes. Okay. Okay. Because I deal with so many people every week, and I'm not just dealing with, oh, did you have a good day today or you got a job promotion? I am dealing with the most rawest, authentic, personal issues that people come to a pastor with that you can imagine, everything from losing a spouse, losing a child, getting a divorce, losing a job, all these different things. I also get the benefits of doing marriages and celebrations and you know all these different things. One thing I do not get to do is stereotype people. I can't. I know too many people. I know too many democrats. Okay? I really do. I know way too many Democrats. I know way too many Republicans. I know way too many independents. I know way too many homeless people, way too many poor people, way too many rich people. I can't formulate them into one little group. And I really would love to. I would love to lump all the Democrats and all the Republicans in different things. I'd know how to talk with every single one of them. But here's what I've found. I found that people are like wood, (laughs) okay? This will come all around, and I'm going to get to the Bible in just a second, so hang on. (laughs) I also love not only being a pastor, I love dealing with wood. I love wood. If I, if anyone, if like I'm relaxing, or it's like, hey, where's John? I'm in my garage, and I am dealing with wood. This little beauty her name is Lizzie or Elizabeth. Uh, she's going to be a table, and uh, when, when we rescued her, uh, she was up in Portland, and we have some visitors from Portland. We're glad you're here. Next time, bring wood. Um, but uh, so she was uh, she was much much larger, and she was kind of had so she was rough around the edges, sh- should we say? And so I had to first start off um, removing the bark. Okay, So if you can kind of imagine, this was a tree that went around like that. And so the slab just comes right down that tree, and this is where the bark would be on on either side. Now, the reason I bring this up is because most of us, and again, I'm not saying I'm special or anything else, but most of you get to see people with their bark on. And that makes it very easy. You look at a tree, and you say, oh, that's a, that's a tree. This came from a walnut tree. Okay, this was walnut. I know if I touch it and I keep holding on to it, I'm sorry. Like I said, I love wood. I have touched this thing for about 12 hours already. So uh, I know her very, very well. And so most people get to see a tree with the bark on. Oh, yeah, it's a birch tree. That's an elm tree. That's a walnut tree. Very few people get to see it exposed. They don't get to see the middle. When you get a slab of wood like this and you get to spend some time with her, uh, you would notice all sorts of different things. You would notice uh, some years where she had some trauma, okay? You'd notice some uh, years that she uh, was a really great year. You You can just tell by the grain of the wood. You can see all these different things. But all of these things are what, when you look at it, what I hear from everybody, at least everyone, they didn't know this was my piece of, well, it's actually going back up to Portland as a table, but uh, they all say the same thing. It's beautiful. What kind of wood is it? Okay. It's walnut. And yes, it is beautiful. What makes this wood beautiful is all the different things that happen to this tree over its lifetime. If it were just this, it would just look like a cutting board, right? But it's not. Now listen, this is what I want you to get. This is what I want you to get. When you get to be around people and they expose the inner dealings of their life and you remove that bark of Republican and you remove that bark of Democrat and you remove that bark of poor or white or black, or Hispanic, and you get down to the nitty-gritty. We are all the same. We are all pieces of wood. And I don't want to get too emotional on this. We are all reclaimed. So, you say, "What what, what does it mean to be reclaimed? Well, If you look at uh, our back wall, this wall is by design, okay? It's not just to look hip, although it really does. Uh, It's not to just look hip, or that was the best thing if you're watching online, that would be a good background. All this wood was thrown out, all the different planks. It was free. Some of it came from an old fence. Some of it came from somebody on Facebook who just said, free wood, it's useless. But it is not useless. It's reclaimed. And now it's used within our context of creating a space. And so when we first put this wall up, I don't know if you remember, I was talking to different people. And I know some of you are new since this, we did this wall. But I was asking you to find a piece of wood that you identify with. And maybe you look at this wood and it, it's blended. And you're like, I come from a blended family. I'm gonna, that's my piece of wood. Maybe it's darker or lighter or shorter or longer. Or it has, it's just all jacked up. And you're like, yeah, that's pretty much my piece of wood. I, I, there's one piece of wood on here you can find. It is jacked up. This thing, it, you know how hard it was to just keep it up there? It just wanted to fall down. It was just horrible. That is the church of Jesus Christ. This is the church of Jesus Christ. And in the zombie apocalypse or the end of the world or whatever happens when America stops being as comfortable as it is, you are not going to care about people's bark. If somebody has water, that's all you care about. If somebody has uh, you know, food, that's all you care about. The problem is we've developed a system in America... I'm only talking about America, that not only survives, but thrives on you looking at just bark. It thrives on you judging. It thrives on you being scared. It thrives on you being anxious. Oh my goodness, what if the birch trees take over Congress? Oh, what if? Oh, man, with all this different morality that's shifting through whatever, what what happened? Oh, my goodness, we got to make sure that we get rid of this and we have this. If you were to cut away the bark, we are all the same. We're all traumatized. We all have jacked up families of origin. And if you knew the story, I'm just telling you this as a professional, if you knew the story of the person you were putting down, it would break your heart and you'd stop. Now, okay, I'm sorry, I riffing a little bit there, uh, we'll get to the scriptures now, but I want you to keep Lizzie in your mind because she, she's going to end up being a good table someday. Okay. Here's what Paul is saying to a church in Corinth. If you want to read about a weird church, you can read 1st or 2nd Corinthians. It was basically Paul. I I can just picture Paul writing 1st Corinthians. And this is exactly, well, he probably had someone write it for him. But, well, I mean, he said it, but they, you know what I'm saying. Okay, transcribe. That's what I'm saying. So I can imagine when he he has, we'll just say he wrote it himself. We put a piece of paper down, and he has his pen, and this is exactly how he would have written 1 Corinthians. (sighs) That's that's how I picture Paul writing 1 Corinthians. Here we go. Oh, gosh. I got to write to that church in Corinth. They're so wacky. So here's what he says. As we get to uh, chapter 9 in 1 Corinthians... He talks about this principle, okay? He says, though I am free I, and belong to no one. In other words, I don't belong to a political party. I don't belong to a certain sect or tribe or this or that. I'm free, okay? And again, we, it's hard for us to understand his, this context. We're going to see the word slave in the next verse or next part of the verse. Uh, uh, it, it's different. But it's the same. You were still owned. But in this particular context, anyone could become a slave at any time. If you couldn't pay your debts, you don't go bankrupt. You don't file for bankruptcy. You become indebted, enslaved to that uh, person that you owed money to. And you worked for them until it got paid off. And so this could happen if you were a female and, and widowed and you had no way to take care of yourself, you could become a slave to someone. If, you, if your business dealing went wrong, and you had to do something else, you'd become a slave. And Paul's saying, look, I, I don't belong to anyone. I, I am free. Now watch the next sentence. I have made myself a slave to everyone. A slave doesn't walk up to his boss and start sharing his Opinion on what's going on in the world. A slave doesn't tell someone what they think about world events and all these things. Paul is saying, I'm free, but there's something that's so important I'm going to give up my freedom for. There's something more important than just doing what I want, having an opinion, going through life, with me at the forefront, okay? He says, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win. And you're like, yeah, that's it, to win. I know what he's talking about. He's becoming a slave to infiltrate so that he can take his positions, get to know everybody, and then convince them, and then they'll win. Ah, so American, love it. I I love it. To win. Uh Uh-oh, he kept writing. As many as possible. Right from the jump, we're understanding, oh, wait a minute. Paul views his occupation or his place on earth completely different than anyone else. Paul is not just looking at the bark on the outside. He's saying, I'm going to become a slave to get to know what's actually going on on the inside. To win as many possible, as many as possible. And then he says this, which if you understand Paul's history, this is odd. This is odd. He says, to the Jews, I became like a Jew. Now you have to understand, Paul wrote an entire letter. It's called Galatians, okay? Basically telling them, stop trying to be Jews, it's, it's, it's all about Jesus. You're, you're living under the law, you're, you're trying to be circumcision doesn't have anything to do with it anymore. That, that, that time is over. there's a new season with following Jesus. So you have to understand, Paul shouldn't be writing this to Corinth. He already wrote to Galatians saying, "We're not doing that anymore." And yet, he says to the Jews, "I became like a Jew." To all those ways that don't really matter. So he'd dress like a Jew. He'd talk like a Jew. He'd be, and you'd think to yourself, and, and I thought this too, or think this sometimes as well. Is Paul just being wishy-washy? Like what, you just, oh, oh, you're code-shifting. So when you're around the Jews, you're a Jew. When you're around non-believers, you're a non-believer. When you're on here, 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 you know. What you, no. It, if you read anything or know anything about Paul... Soft and wishy-washy are not what described the Apostle Paul, okay? It probably is too harsh. If I had to describe Paul, I'd say, bro, simmer down now. You're just like way too crazy. But Paul says, no, 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 no. To the Jews, I'm going to become like a Jew. You mean you're going to go to the temple? You don't, you know, you know, you don't need the temple. The temple's been, see, the thing about this is when Jesus was, you don't, Paul's like, shh, quiet. We're going to the temple with the Jews. We're going to hang out. And we're going to talk about that. You're sacrificing. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. What do you do? Where do you get your sacrifices? How do you pick your sheep? Blah, blah, blah. You know, Jesus, Jesus was a sacrifice. Oh, oh! you're going to the temple. You know, when Jesus died, he, the veil tore into you. You know, the holy of holies that we're not allowed to go into, and which I totally get. I'm not going to go in there. But, but you know, Jesus tore that. And you can, to the Jew, he becomes a Jew. Why? 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 To get along with Jews so that he can win an argument? No, not to win an argument. To win the Jews. He knows something. He knows something. I'm going to get really close to this so that I can bring Jesus to the very center. Forget the bark. To those under the law, okay, I became like one under the law. And then he, he, and then he reminds us, but I'm not under the law. I, I can hang around with people under the law. I, I don't have to berate them. I don't have to win arguments with them. I, I, I to, to, I, I'm free from the law. Paul says this so many times. I'm free, but I don't turn my freedom into an opportunity to sin. I'm under a law. I'm under Christ's law, which we'll see in a second. But he says, to those under the law, uh, yeah, okay, what, what are your rules in this community? I'll follow those rules to a certain point until you have to, be, you know, break one of your own principles that come through Christ, Right? So to the one under the law, I became like one under the law. To Democrats, to my Democrat friends, I, I, I hang out with Democrats all the time. I, I'll talk about what they want to talk about. I'll do, I, I hang around Republicans. Whatever, whatever. Why? Why do I do this? Why do I get this close to the wood? Why don't I just sit back and go, look, I, I don't have time? So as to win those under the law. I hang out with people from all different walks of life so that I can tell them about Jesus. Because no matter who you are on the outside and what your bark looks like and how thin or wide or whatever you are, you are the exact same. And the answer that you're looking for as a Democrat, a Republican, a Jew, a Gentile, whatever, is found in Jesus. Period. Point blank. And so Around different people, I'll be like them. Are you being inauthentic? No, I'm me. I don't care. Whatever. But I do it for a purpose so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, the Gentiles he's talking about, I become like one not having the law. Now, do you think Paul was going around cussing and telling dirty jokes and stuff because they're not under No, of course he wasn't. And you don't have to to be around people who don't follow the scriptures, He says, "Though I'm not free from God's law, but under Christ's law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Done. He says, I can go go and be around people not having the law and love them because I'm under Christ's law. And they say, hey, now we're going to go to this place. And you go, I can't join you on that, but I can be at your house. I can do all these different things. We can talk about the things you want to talk about. Why? Oh, so as to win those not having the law. You say, what about, you know, education um, or, or socioeconomic things? Like, how do you, how does that all work? He says, to the weak, I became weak. I just, I'm, I, I'm just, I'm a vessel. I'm being used. Why? to win the week (laughs) right like our entire society is built around you being anxious outraged fearful and othering that's what your political party does not want you to examine them they want you to hate the other one. And then you're like, because then you say statements like I've said, and I'm sure you've said, Ugh, gosh, my, whatever political party you're in, well, at least it's better than, <laughs> right? You ever done that? Like, you're, you're not like really that stoked about your candidate, but you're like, Ugh, at least it's not Hillary. At least it's not Trump. Oh, oh. that's what they want, right? But we are above that followers of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, engage in it all you want. Just look at the bark, go after it. Who cares, right? But for those of us who feel like everybody deserves to be reclaimed, we have another responsibility to get intimately involved in the wood. And so to the weak, we become weak to win the weak. Let me just ask you this, okay? Uh, This the people you don't like, so we just we just we had the whole Roe v. Wade thing, right? So in a group like this, we're, we're, you're going to land on some position, right? Wrong, right? This women, babies, whatever it is, right? Well, if you're that strongly feel that strongly about it, and the other side is the other side, okay, wouldn't they be your mission field? So if you if If you're against something, if they're lacking Christ or lacking, shouldn't you then almost lean in more to them? Because you have the answer, right? He says, I've become all things to all people. Again, you say, oh, you have no personal identity? No, that's not it. It's just I'm not going to stop engaging with someone just because they're different than me. Just because they believe something different than me. If Jesus modeled that, we'd all be on our way to hell. But we're not. We're redeemed. We're reclaimed. Because He took the time to look past the bark. That's why He'd ask so many questions Who do you say that I am? It's a draw knife, by the way, that she used to take off the bark, and it is so satisfying. Oh my gosh, I can't even tell you. You just okay. Anyway, uh, so he just begins to remove this bark. Who do you say that I am? Oh man, I'm exposed. He says. You now he 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 go, he goes in. Why don't you go talk to your husband? Tell him to come here. I don't have a husband. I know we're just removing bark aren't you glad Jesus did that then do that aren't you glad Jesus didn't look at your rough exterior I, I, I don't mean to bust men's chops right now but I'm a dude so I, I can do it I I just and again I'm not generalizing I realize we're all different but for the most part men come on man you love your bark don't you Yeah, yeah. you love your bark. Nobody touch me. I don't hug people. I don't tell people I love them. I'm a tree. I'm a strong tree. Don't get. Oh man, Jesus is just like, stop, stop. You're so insecure. Oh my gosh, look at all this bark. We got to get through to get to the real, right? I become all things to all people, so that by all possible means whether it's a little conversation or a text back and forth or whatever, I might save some. I might save some. We were all reclaimed, you guys. All of us, every single one of us, we were all reclaimed. We are in the business of reclamation that I might save some. So I am not going to let any one of your beliefs, I don't care what it is, get in the way of me getting close enough to you so that we can deal with the stuff that need to be dealt with. Hardly anyone gets to see this in a tree. You always see the outside. You always see the bark. I get to see this up close and personal. And as it relates to people, I get to see them up close and personal, and sometimes it's heartbreaking. And you know what? I never ask him: who'd you vote for? You know what I never ask him? How much money do you make? You know, what I never ask him, Do you have a degree? Hey, do you, I don't ask him, hey, where do you live? What do you do? No, because we're all the same. That I might save some. He says this. Oh, this is so powerful. This is so powerful. I do all this for the sake of the good news. Like, like, that's the whole point. If I can't witness to Republicans, what good news is that? If I can't share my faith with Democrats, what, good, what is the good news if it's only for a certain type of person? Right? Watch what he says. I do it for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. When you look at this wood, this wood had some years that were jacked up up in this wood. But I get the blessing of seeing it restored. I get the blessing of seeing it used. When you hang out with other, when you hang out with people that believe different than you, when you get to get involved in their life, you are going to understand they all need to be loved. They all have Most of the time, jacked up families of origin. And they all believe what they believe for a reason. And if you listen long enough, you'll begin to understand why they believe what they believe. And once you understand why, that's where Jesus comes in. Because I'm telling you, I don't care who you are. Jesus is the answer for your life that I may share in its blessings Now, then he goes into this part, and we normally preach this in its own thing. Do you not know that in a race, all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Now you go, oh, oh, Paul changed subjects. No, he did not. He didn't change subjects. He's talking about winning souls, that all who run, uh, all runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way to get the prize. Live in such a way to share the gospel, to bring the gospel, the good news to everyone around you, regardless of where they stand on a particular subject. Remember, our culture demands that you pick a side and you stay in that tribe. That is not Jesus So I'm going to run my life. I'm going to run in such a way as to get the prize. Well, what's the prize? To be able to share Jesus with everybody, to understand their insecurities, to understand the the years they had that were messed up. That's what makes them who they are. He says, everyone who competes in games, remember, we're talking again about, I'm going to win the weak. I'm going to win the Jew. I'm going to win those without the law. Everyone who competes in games goes on into strict training. In other words, We live our life, listen, in the context of the race, okay? In the context of being able to be around the Jew, the Gentile, slave, the free. They do it to get a crown that will not last, okay? So just to pick on politics again, uh, we're coming into an election season. Uh, Okay, we're coming into another election season, and uh, just that was, I don't know. Um, and uh, so, someone's gonna get elected Biden, Trump, blah. Okay. That's not gonna last. <laughs> like, okay? It's not gonna last. They're gonna be in for four years, they're gonna be out. You say, John, you don't understand. The issues are so important. I know they're important. But in 50 years, you and I will be either dead or there'll be some other thing that we're talking about. He says, they do it for a crown that will not last, but we do it for a crown that lasts forever. Therefore, I don't run like someone running aimlessly. Oh, I read this article. Oh, I read this article. We're all going to die. Oh, I I saw this video on YouTube. Do you know that? uh, Right? I don't box, like a boxer beating the air. Oh my goodness, this is the thing of the day. Oh man, they raided Trump's moral along. Ah, who knows? FBI. Ah, I don't do that. Ain't nobody got time for that. We're running a race. This is important. No. I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I've told people about Jesus, after I've helped restore them, reclaim them, understand what's important, that I wouldn't just go back home and put my bark back on. I walk around exposed. Exposed. I myself would not be disqualified for the prize. What's the prize? The blessings of the gospel of Jesus. It is too important to be sidetracked by this stuff. To other, to just look at bark. We don't have that much time. Whether the zombies come, an asteroid hits, sea levels rise, or more likely, Jesus comes back. Because he's coming. He's coming. And he ain't going to ask you how you voted. As Ezekiel comes back up. I, I, I'm so passionate about this, as you can tell. I, I just, uh, when I, when I work with wood, uh, this analogy. There's going to be a whole series on wood, by the way. It's coming. Okay? Okay. It's, it's coming. I can't get away from, there is so much to God's creation. Like, like just the whole idea that you were never supposed to see this. That all this creative, that God created this tree, like all this beauty was inside. You didn't even get to see it. Ooh, that's, that'll preach. That's a, whole, that's a two-week sermon right there. All right, we're gonna close now. You're saying, John. John, I know what you're thinking, right? You're saying, uh, how how do we do this? How do we do this? I literally get text alerts on what the other side is doing, like right, you know. And you're just like, how am I supposed to avoid this? How am I supposed to get it? I live in America. I'm supposed to vote, right? Of course, you're supposed to vote. Be involved in politics. March. I don't care. Write petitions. Do all. Do it. Do it. We are so blessed to live in this country. We have such a responsibility to vote and to have our voice heard. But we have no business just looking at the bark of other people. So you say, how do I do do this? Next week is going to blow your mind. Because I'm going to teach you how to do it. It's so basic, you guys. It's so accessible. No matter what your background is, you can do what we're going to talk about next week. And I don't do that just to bribe you to be back next week. That's what the mugs are for, Okay? They're filled with candy, a Starbucks card. All right. So we're going to take a little bit of time to reflect. And as Ezekiel, Finishes up with this song. Um, you can come to the altar. And uh, we have pillows here to kneel on. And if you just say, maybe maybe you're like, I need to give up this whole. I've spent so much time thinking about other. I'm so vested in this. I'm so frightened. I'm so outraged. And you just want to come. And the reason we have the pillows, and for those of you online, uh, just bear with me. We kneel down as just kind of this idea a posture of humility. That, that's all that is. That's why we put the pillows on. There's nothing magical about it. Just a posture of humility to just go, God, I, I'm just, just going to kneel before you. Would you take away this bark obsession I have? Would you help me to see people the way you see them? The way God, if you ever think about that, God doesn't see a tree the way we see a tree. He sees all this stuff in there. It's amazing. And again, that's week four of my series. All right, And so you, you might want to come and pray. There will be people at the cross, right by the cross there. If you want someone to just say, hey, I'm really going through this. Or maybe you want to take this time and fill out your connection card. We pray for every single one of those every single week. And if you're online or you're here and you're like, I, I don't like using trees for paper and filling out my connection card, just get on the app and fill it out. And then maybe you want to go and just say, God, Would you bless and you pick the bark that you've been obsessed with—the Democrat, the Republican? Maybe don't don't tell anyone I told you this. Maybe you pray for like Ron DeSantis or Biden or someone that you don't even like. You're thinking, oh no, if they take over, if they take over, you're gonna be just fine because you're with the Master created you. It's all going to be good, right? Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, it's so hard. We're so designed to look at the outside. As people say outrageous things, which they do, God, you know that it just comes out of their fear, out of their insecurity. They're just, they just had some jacked up years. You want to reclaim that you want to reclaim the Democrat, reclaim the Republican, claim, reclaim those who uh, might think differently than us. Lord, we don't set aside our principles. We don't set aside our, the conservative part of our lives or the justice part of our lives in order to just fit in. That's not what we do. We walk into a situation like you did, confident, Listening to your heavenly Father. So we thank you for that, Lord. We give you this time of contemplation. Pray that you'd speak to us in Jesus name. Amen. Let't we go ahead and stand for the blessing? If you can. I do want to invite you back next week, which give you some pretty key uh, tips on woodworking, uh, meaning getting to know people and know where they're at. Uh, I I also want to just say one last thing. Uh, Some of you, because I've spoken to you uh, and lots of many people that I talk to, they know that their wood grain is all jacked up. And I just want to make sure that I'm very, very clear. It does not matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what your relationships were like. It doesn't matter what your addiction is. All the things that you would say, I do not want to expose my grain to anyone. The master carpenter takes that. And I'm telling you, the spots on you that are the most jacked up, when he gets a hold of it, it becomes the most beautiful part of the wood. Now, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in his wisdom, in his grace, and in his humility. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday.